Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Wednesday, March 15th, on the basis of Luke 23, verses 35 through 43. A question that sometimes troubles both Christians and non-Christians alike is this. Do deathbed confessions really work? The idea that somebody could live their entire life in just unbridled indulgence, that they could live exactly as they please at the expense of and even to the harm of other people, and then right as their last hour draws near, say a quick, I'm sorry, Jesus, please forgive me, and waltz right in through those pearly gates into heaven. Like I said, kind of a a troubling thought that something like that could happen, that something like that would be allowed, that something like that would even work. And if that's the case, then tonight's the the perfect opportunity to get an answer to that question because tonight we are talking about the poster boy for deathbed confessions, this thief who was hanging on the cross next to Jesus. He was sort of on his deathbed except for the fact that he was hanging from a cross, which, even though we know nothing else about him, tells us a whole lot about his life. He had lived a life that was worthy of a very painful and very public execution. And yet in these verses, right as his last hour draws near, he seems to say a quick apology, ask for forgiveness, and then is, is promised a free pass into eternal life. We're going to talk about that, that thief tonight. But before we do, we need to pay careful attention to everything that's going on around him, everything that's going, around, going on around him and Jesus. As this scene of the crucifixion begins, we're told that that everyone who is there is hurling insults up at Jesus. They can no longer do him any more physical harm, and so they instead are going to use their words. And so it starts with the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders. They had rejected Jesus as the Messiah because he did not live up to their expectations for what the Messiah was supposed to be and what the Messiah was supposed to do, and so they insulted him. The Roman soldiers insulted him. They had a hard time believing that this weak, pathetic-looking man up there on the cross could possibly be a king because every king that they knew lived in a palace and commanded some sort of army. Even one of the other criminals offered his insults at Jesus. He had lived a life that was equally deserving of this execution, and yet he somehow thought that that right at the very end he would kind of get one last jab in. Maybe the loudest insults of them all were being offered by people who weren't even there. Jesus' disciples were nowhere to be found. And when your closest friends and your most loyal followers are are not even there, maybe maybe their insults are even louder than the ones of, of the people who are shouting up at Jesus. All these different insults being offered at Jesus, and yet did you notice the common refrain that tied them all together? Each and every one, each and every group said, Save yourself. Save yourself, Jesus. If you really are the Christ, if you really are a king, if you really are the Son of God, then come down from that cross and save yourself. It's kind of an interesting request. Reveals that these people not only assumed that that if Jesus really was the Son of God, he would be able to do this, but also reveals that, that they sort of assumed that if Jesus had the power, if he had the ability to come down from the cross, he would do it. He would use it. In other words, if he had that power, he would use that power exactly the way that they would 
to stop this horrible thing that was going on. It's kind of interesting. They, they weren't just asking Jesus to prove that he was the Son of God. They were really asking him to prove that he would use that power in the very same way that they would. Sort of asking him to put his blessing on really what is our most fundamental desire as human beings by nature, which is to serve ourselves. Kind of ironic that if, if Jesus would have listened to them, if he would have come down from the cross, of course the world would have lost a savior, right? But at that point the world wouldn't have really needed a savior because God himself would have been putting his stamp of approval on, on what is at the heart and core of, of all of our sin, a desire to act in our own self-interest, a desire to serve ourselves. God himself would be saying that that is okay. The attitude that says that, that my wishes and my desires and, and my plans and my goals, that I have every right to pursue those, to act out on those, to try to achieve those, to chase after those, that my happiness, my contentment, my satisfaction are what is most important in life and I have every right to pursue those things with everything that I have. They were asking for, for Jesus' stamp of approval, essentially God's stamp of approval on that fundamental human flaw. In fact, you go back to that question, do deathbed confessions really work? And, and that's kind of at the heart of that question too. That's kind of the terms in which it is sometimes couched, right? This idea that someone could spend their whole life doing exactly what they want, serving themselves, and then at the hour of, the death, at the hour of their death, they would have one more opportunity to serve themselves, to say a quick apology just to get into heaven and, and that it would actually work. When we ask that question, we, we kind of do so with the connotation that this person is going to get the best of both worlds, that they're going to have their cake and eat it too, that they can live however they want and still get into heaven. And if, if that kind of thing is allowed, if that kind of thing is permitted, if that kind of thing actually works, well then deep down there's a part of me that wants to do it too. If that works, well shoot, I'm going to stop trying to do the right thing. I'm going to stop trying to resist temptation, trying to trying to deny those sinful desires. I'm going to stop going to church, stop reading God's word, stop praying. I'm going to cut myself off from God entirely because, because I can live how I, can wa how I want and then right at the moment of my death, I can serve myself one more time and, and get into heaven. If that actually works, then, then part of us wants to say, yeah, sign me up. So is that what the thief on the cross did? Is that what he pulled off? Well, not if we're paying any sort of attention. You see, after the, the one thief had insulted Jesus, this thief responded by saying, our deeds are getting us exactly what we deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. In other words, this thief looked back at a life that he had spent serving himself, and he saw, he realized exactly where it had gotten him. That life he had spent serving himself was the very thing that had landed him on that cross. And so at the moment of his death, the very last thing that he would have been looking for, the very last thing that he would have wanted, was one more opportunity to serve himself. And so as he turned to Jesus, it, it wasn't to try and get away with one more thing. No, it was simply because he had finally come into contact with the one man whose entire existence was not about serving self, but about serving others. It might have been just a couple of minutes, maybe an hour before he spoke these words that, that some very strange 
Some very foreign-sounding words had entered his ears. Just as the soldiers were pounding the nails into Jesus' hands and feet and, and hoisting that cross up perpendicular from the earth, this thief had heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Something unheard of among mankind, something otherworldly, something truly divine was, was right there face-to-face in contact with him. And, and when the thief saw it, when he heard it, when he realized what was there next to him, he couldn't help but turn. Maybe more accurate to say he couldn't help but be turned, to be drawn to Jesus, to be drawn to this man whose entire existence was not about serving self but about serving others. And so he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What is going to cure us of of this insatiable desire to constantly serve ourselves? Well, sure, just like the thief, we're going to find out where serving ourselves gets us. We'll find out from time to time the pain and the havoc and the strife that it causes in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. But, But if that were it, we would just keep looking for new and creative ways to serve ourselves and get away with it. But no, it's only because we too have come into contact with this one man whose entire existence was about serving others. That we too cannot help but turn. Cannot help but be turned. And with that thief say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And when we do, we will not be disappointed. Jesus replied to the thief by saying, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. It's quite the statement from the man who is hanging from the tree. The religious leaders, the Roman soldiers, even Jesus' disciples saw Jesus at that point as as nothing but, but the epitome of weakness and defeat. And yet with this bold declaration, Jesus is essentially driving a fatal stake through the heart of service to self and planting the flag of victory on the side of service to others. What kind of king, what kind of Messiah, what kind of son of God do you have? The kind that stayed on the tree. The kind who for every single second that he was up there, said no to the temptation to come down for you. And in so doing, he earned the right to be able to say to that thief and to be able to say to every criminal, every terrorist, every child abuser, every person whom he well pleases, including you and me, to say to them, come on in. Come on in. You're home now. He doesn't even have to ask the boss, doesn't have to ask permission, doesn't have to sneak us around to the side door. No, he can stand there at the front gate to heaven with those doors wide open because in his hand, he now holds the key. Do deathbed confessions really work? Well, rest assured that that anyone who turns to Jesus ultimately out of their own self-interest will not receive Jesus' blessing and will end up eventually turning away. But friends, as you go home tonight, also rest assured that that when you turn to Jesus, 
not in service to self, but because you know he is there to serve others and he is there to serve you. When you turn to Jesus in your hour of need, even if it's the 11th hour, even if it's the last hour, you will always find an open door. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.